hello everybody and welcome back to You and Talk season three. I'm your host, Elena Scheffler, and I am super excited for all the fun stuff we have going on this season. As you can see, I'm missing my co-host Joel because he graduated and is off to bigger and brighter things with his life. All of us here at You and Talk are so excited and happy to be back in the studio making content and we're super pumped for all the crazy fun stuff we have going on this season. So let's get into it. This year has been a big one for the Black Lives Matter movement. The tragic deaths of innocent people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor have sparked protests across the country. Tens of thousands of people have stood up and taken a stand against police brutality and the systemic racism that is still present in our country. Sitting next to me today is someone who has not only joined the fight, but has also played a role in organizing and mobilizing the movement here in DFW with the organization Say It With Your Chest. So Danielle, welcome to You and Talk. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So let's, let's get into it. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about how you started organizing protests. Well, in the beginning, we saw that a lot of protests didn't have a lot of voices from black women, um, especially black trans women. So um, I thought that it was important for, um, for protests to actually center uh, black women because they're often forgotten in these movements. Yeah. Um, so we originally started at Park in Preston in Plano, um, which is a very, it's West Plano, so it's a very affluent part of um, the Dallas suburbs because we feel like well, I feel like those people can hide in their bubbles, you know, mm -hmm. and they, um, they're more sheltered from, you know, what's actually going on in terms of racial inequality yeah. and police brutality. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so has there ever been a moment or a protest that really like stood out to you? I will say that um, the very first protest that we had, because um, I'm very vocal at my protests, I love like yelling at people, being like, hey, white Jeep, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, calling people out. Yeah. Um, and the first protest was really, really cool to me because we had over 50 people show up. And, you know, for our first protest, I thought yeah, that was incredible. Really yeah. um, and that's what kind of spurred me to keep going. Um, I mean, there's also been like, you know, the standard heckling that comes with, you know, a standalone demonstration. Yeah. Because um, we don't do marches. Mm -hmm. We just stand at a street corner. Okay. So y'all are more of a, you don't march, but yes, you kind it's of. It's a demonstration more than gotcha, a march. Gotcha. Because um, I personally feel like you can get more visibility that way. Because like when you're marching, usually you have to march in the street. People mm -hmm. are shut down. The only people who, see, who can see you are at, like at the front of the line in the road. But yeah when you're standing in one place and everyone else is moving around you, then everyone else has to see you. That's um, especially if they're stuck at a stoplight, then they have to deal with me. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of fun. So how do you pick where you decide to go and stand? Uh, I usually look at places that are intersections that are busy, intersections mm -hmm. that do not have a lot of foot traffic, like a lot of joggers or yeah. you know, bikers, things like that. Um, and then also intersections that are good to um, handle a lot of people in terms of like the, the corners, you yeah. know, because a lot of times um, a lot of intersections don't have enough space for people to stand. Yeah. Um, so I usually look at that when it comes to uh, picking my locations. So what is your, what's the biggest turnout you've ever had? Probably in the beginning when we had like well over 50 people yeah. at the protests. Um, I will say that 
it has died down quite a bit. I feel like I feel like people went out as like a one-time thing and then we're just like, okay, well, that's enough activism for today, but the fight's still going. You know, it's still going on, it's still happening. And so it's important to constantly show up um, even if you think it's over, it's definitely not. And it didn't start with George Floyd either. We've yeah. been doing this for decades. Yeah. So with everything that's going on and there hasn't been something that's really changed since the protest. I think there hasn't been this big thing where it's like, oh, well, because of the protest, we now have fixed this. Yeah. So what keeps you going knowing, you know, how, how do you stay motivated and stay fighting for this cause? Well, I mean, I am a black woman, <laughs> you know, so if I don't fight for me, it's like, who will, you know? Yeah. And cause this country has shown us time and time again that they, do not care about, uh, care about black women. They do not want to fight for black women. They do not want to protect black women, nor do they want to support black women. And that's not only, um, that's not only like the government, but also society as a whole. Um, so what keeps me going is, you know, eventually one day seeing actual systemic change, not just a task force, not just some racial equality statement, you know, actual systemic structural change. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way to put it. That's the word I was looking for <laughs> in that last question was systemic change. So when we found you mm -hmm. for our episode, we found you through social media. So would you say that's a, like your best resource? Uh, in terms of visibility mm -hmm. and getting, you know, getting things out there, getting the word out there, social media, especially like, Instagram, even though the algorithm's kind of messed up, it's still, <laughs> it's still very, very helpful. Yeah. Um, because I'm able to put my flyers out, it's able to be shared very easily. Um, and, uh, you know, people like you guys can, can find me yeah. easier. Yeah. So would you say Instagram's probably the biggest social media platform that you use? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so a lot of activists like yourself use Instagram to spread messages and kind of educate their followers. I know I've seen lots of polls and petitions mm -hmm. on people's Instagram stories. Do you think that this is a good way to kind of advocate without going to protest or would you say that it kind of needs to be both? Um, in terms of support for the Black Lives Matter movement, I will say that sharing posts isn't necessarily enough activism yeah. but um i would say that if you are sharing posts and also like talking to people about these things and you know even going to the occasional protest or donating to mutual aid mm -hmm. um something like that that would be very good because i mean it's one thing to get awareness but to post an aestheticized post and be like, okay, well, that's enough activism for me. Yeah. You know, that's not really, that's not enough. And I feel like a lot of people think that just sharing these things is enough yeah. when in reality, there's actually gonna have to be some legwork that needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen, speaking of the petitions on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, I don't know too much about them, but like, do you think that they're working, all these petitions that we're signing and stuff, do you think they're doing anything? I think that petitions are a good way to spread awareness and I do see some petitions that work. Mm -hmm. um, however, there are a lot of petitions like, you know, the change.org petitions and stuff that, because um, 
the really disheartening part about it is that even if we get enough people to sign petitions, the government doesn't have to do anything yeah. because unfortunately they've gotten more more power to the point where they feel like they don't have to listen, listen to, to their constituents. Yeah. And that's a problem. And I think once we change that and realize that these are people that we hired, that we elected mm -hmm. to work for us, the people, um, the sooner that you know, White House petitions and change.org petitions will actually work, you know, because you can only call your senator so many times. Exactly. You can only call your representative so many times. Um, if they're hell bent on not, you know, doing what the people want, they're yeah. just not going to do it. And we saw that with the Electoral College. Yes, we did. Yeah, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's good. Um, so what advice would you give for someone who is looking to organize a Black Lives Matter protest in their own community? If you are not black, stay in your lane, please. Um, I would say, unless you are in like some like boondocks town where like there aren't that many black people in the mm -hmm. first place, um, then yeah, go ahead, use your voice. But if there are definitely black people that you know that could be a part of that, then give them the megaphone because we need, well, allies, um, non-black allies, need to know the difference between amplifying black voices and speaking for black people, because they are two very different things that have two very different outcomes, but they look similar. Um, so it's very important to know the differences. So if you want to organize a Black Lives Matter protest, if you're not black, then um, you know, talk to one of your black friends. But if you are black, um, it is super easy. I mean, um, pick a date, pick a place, pick a, make a flyer, post it, and then boom, just see how many people show up, you yeah. know? And I mean, that's how I started, and it just became like this, just blossomed into this like huge thing, and now I have like quite a bit of visibility. Yeah, that's awesome. So how many protests would you say that you have organized, like as of now, rough number? Um, well, from June to, beginning of September, we were doing protests every week. Oh, wow, okay. Every weekend. Um, when September came along and like, you know, my college classes start coming yeah. up, I was like, okay, <laughs> we're gonna do every other week. There you go. Um, you know, that way I have time to organize protests and, you know, focus on my schoolwork yeah. as well. So you've really dedicated your whole life to this movement. I think yeah. that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, do you have any like future goals for your organization? Any exciting plans coming up? Uh, let's see. The biggest overarching goal, and I know it will take a lot of work and a lot of time, but the biggest goal is black liberation. Yeah. Black trans disabled liberation. Once we liberate the people who are at the bottom of the socioeconomic food chain, we can easily um, liberate everybody else. Um, and I think a lot of people uh, don't realize that. Yeah. Like a lot of, there's a lot of people who think that, oh, well, if we liberate black people, then their status will be above, you know, Asian people and then Asian people will be at the bottom. It's like, that's yeah. not how it works. If it's a totem pole, then you're dismantling the entire totem pole. That's exactly. what we're talking yeah. about. Um, and that benefits everybody. Um, in terms of like smaller goals, I just want to reach out to my community and stand in solidarity with my community and also let, um, you know, the young black girls who were just like me in my community going through the same thing, 
I just want them to know that, hey, there's someone fighting for you too, and you can do this too. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the ways that our viewers can get involved with your personal movement? Um, well, recently I had a free meals program where I distributed over 108 um, meals across the Metroplex. Wow, that's awesome. Um, currently I'm trying to raise more money to do that. Um, so donations um, would be really great. Uh, also, just showing up to the protest would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, and also donating to other organizations, not even me personally, but even donating to like Feed the People Dallas, not DTX Dallas, um, and uh, Latinx Dallas and United People's Coalition and all of these great orgs, We Are Coco, they have all done such amazing things. And I feel like we all have created like this great network of support for people. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. So do you, are you in contact with like a lot of other leaders mm -hmm. or organizers? Yeah, yeah. So do you all ever like work together on projects and how does that work? I do work pretty closely with Feed the People Dallas Mutual Aid. Mm -hmm. Um, they're a really great organization that's focused on solidarity, not charity. Um, and I think I work with them and I do occasionally work with um, Latinx Dallas, which focuses on like the Latinx community in, um, you know, um, mainly South Dallas, but you know, everywhere yeah. in Dallas. And um, they're both really, really great organizations. And sometimes we'll like collaborate on, um, we'll collaborate on like, cleanups or we'll collaborate on murals or um, you know we're just always helping each other so you you do ever you're not you focus on the black lives matter movement but it sounds like you're helping with just kind of trying to make the country better all around because black liberation comes with standing in solidarity with your community because yeah. a lot of communities a lot of um, underserved communities are predominantly minority predominantly yeah. black um, so once we lift up those communities our society as a whole will be a better place. Yeah. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. So would you say that if you're not black, you shouldn't go organize a protest and you should just attend them or that you should, but you should still have the black voices be heard more than your own? It depends on the setup of your protest. Personally, if you are doing a Black Lives Matter protest, I would say leave that to black people, specifically mm -hmm. black women, because, um, you know, he who feels it knows it. So yeah. that it, it is very easy when you start organizing, when non-black people start organizing Black Lives Matter protests to cross the very fine line into speaking for black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to avoid that, I personally would suggest leaving it to us mm -hmm. and attending and showing your support or if you want to organize one, maybe like, you know, run it by your black friends and be like, hey, you know, how would we go about doing this? Yeah. Um, would you feel comfortable with doing this? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's that way you can um, amplify the voices of the black people in your life instead of um, speaking over them, which yeah. tends to happen a lot in those spaces. Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> so. To end our episodes, mm -hmm. we like to give our guests a chance to answer a question that's been submitted by our viewers. Mm -hmm. um, so Emma from UNT wants to know what the first protest that you attended was. The first protest that I attended was when I was born. Um, 
every waking moment of my life as a black woman, as a queer black woman, is activism. Living in this world, living in this society, especially as a dark-skinned queer black woman, is protest in itself. Um, and I feel like that is the most, my, my breath alone, living and breathing and, and doing what I need to do and succeeding in the things that I need to do and forcing people to listen to me, that has been my protest my entire life. So that would probably be the first protest I've ever attended. That was a wonderful answer. Oh, thanks. That, yeah. Um, so what, had, did you go to any other protests that like inspired you or was it just being a queer black woman that you were like, this is my issue, I need to stand up for this? Or was there a moment in your life where you're like, you know what, I need to devote my life to organizing these protests? Um, I've always wanted to organize. Um, I just felt like I didn't have the the tools until mm -hmm. like now once where I've seen it so easy. Um, I went to Legacy and Coit and there was I was driving home and I saw this guy just sitting there with like a Black Lives Matter sign and I was like, oh, let me just, you know, stand out there with him, see what's up and um, it was really nice to meet him and you know I you know thanked him for what he was doing because he's dedicating time to just sit outside in the June heat, you know, with That's, a sign. Yeah. You know, so I was like, yeah, dude, thank you. But I realized that he wasn't saying anything. He was just standing, sitting there. And I was like, when I got there, I was, I was pointing out cars. I was, I was telling people things. I was, you know, being like black lives. I was being loud and yeah. I was making sure people heard me. And then that's when I was like, okay, I think more people need to hear me, you know? Yeah. And so that's when I, I started this. But I will say, if you want to be an ally, Don't be performative about it. So what, can you elaborate on that just a little performative, bit? Performative, um, I think a lot of people think they're allies, but they are performative, or a lot of people don't know the difference between being a true ally and being performative. Um, performative is like posting a black square on Instagram and yeah. then being like, hashtag BLM, okay, that's enough. Uh, performative is, you know, sharing TikToks of non-black non people talking about like black struggle. You know, yeah. it's like there's thousands of black creators yeah. that are doing yeah. that, you should promote them instead. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a lot of the issues that we as black people face in terms of like letting people know about our struggles is that it isn't palatable for the general society unless it is heard from a non-black voice. And that's been a serious problem, yeah. you know, because yeah. that, like I said, that bridges a gap between speaking for us versus speaking, versus, you know, amplifying our voices. Yeah. So um, performativism is something that can be detrimental. It can be, I don't think people realize how, um, how detrimental it can be to the movement. You think it like takes the focus off what we're really supposed to be focusing on or? Yeah, for example, um, and I use the black squares all the time because the, um, the organizational community the BLM community was in like complete disarray because people were posting their black squares in solidarity and using the Black Lives Matter hashtag, but they also inadvertently basically censored the entire hashtag. Yeah, so a whole bunch yeah. of on the ground things that people needed for people at the protests, a lot of that information people weren't getting because the entire hashtag was censored with black squares. Like if you yeah. scrolled, it was just all black. And that's an example. It's like you think you're helping but you're censoring yeah, 
that's that's a really great point. I think that's probably a good example of yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah, that's really good. I'd never thought about it like that. So um, it was great getting to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, I know I learned a lot about the movement, and I'm sure everyone watching did as well. Um, So and thank you to all of you guys for listening. Um, I had a great time getting to know Danielle and all the wonderful stuff she's doing. And I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. To stay up to date with all the exciting things that are happening here at UN Talk, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UNTalk underscore podcast. If you haven't already, you can go listen to all of our other episodes on Spotify right now. You can also watch our show locally on Charter 192 and Frontier 46. Or you can go ahead and pop on over to the NorthTexasTelevision.com and watch all of our previous episodes. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back with another episode later this semester.